0: Can you be sure that you are saved? Is it important? Do you need to know? Do you need to have confidence in your salvation? Once you are saved, can you ever be unsaved? Is that a possibility? What would cause that? If you could be saved and then be unsaved, what could possibly cause that? If you can be saved and you can be lost again, How can you know where you stand right now? How can you know where you stand in this instant? Well, understand, those are important questions. And I want to tell you the good news tonight is they have clear biblical answers. Now, the subject that we have moved into is called eternal security. And I'll tell you, it is actually a distinctive that we hold as Baptists. I have found out over the years that most other denominations, most other groups uh, do not hold to this truth. But Baptists claim, and I'll tell you rightly so and biblically so, there is eternal security and we can be confident in that. Tonight this subject comes up in our seven-part sermon on Calvinism or Reformed Theology. Tonight is our fifth installment in that. Tonight our message is entitled... God's power to save. God's power to save. Now, we're going to look at several things tonight. We're going to talk about a lot of things tonight. But our focal verse tonight, uh, it'll dominate our discussion tonight, is in John chapter 3, verse 18. Just one verse, John chapter 3, verse 18. God's power to save. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the reverence and the honor of the reading of God's word. John chapter 3, verse 18 says this. He who believes in him, speaking of Jesus, is not judged. But he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Let me read verse 18 again. He who believes in him, Jesus, is not judged. But he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come today, we're thankful for this day. We're thankful for this Lord's Day, a day that we set aside to, to come together to fellowship and to praise the name of Jesus, to celebrate a risen, resurrected Savior and the hope that we have in him. Lord, I pray tonight as we have come tonight, I pray that you would speak I pray, Lord, that you would be the center of what we do tonight. I pray that it would be your word that we would uphold and your name that, again, it would be exalted. Lord, I pray as as we move through tough things, tough subjects, I pray that you would open them up. I pray that you would grant us wisdom in your truth You tell us if we need wisdom to ask you. And so we come tonight and we ask. And I pray the fruit of that is a better understanding of your gospel, the good news. I pray the fruit of that is a better understanding of you, the savior of that gospel, Jesus Christ. Lord, we give this time to you, we trust it to you, and in your name, in Jesus' name, I pray. You may be seated. So far, four sermons in, we have looked in depth at the acrostic Tulip. Maybe you haven't heard that before these weeks. Maybe you've heard that a bunch in these weeks, but we've looked at the acrostic tulip to explain the beliefs of those that hold to what we are calling Calvinistic or Reformed uh, belief set. We have seen in the acrostic total inability, sometimes called total depravity. We have seen unconditional election, We have seen limited atonement last Sunday night and this morning we saw irresistible grace, the eye in tulip, irresistible grace. Now I believe so far it has been clearly evident and that's what I believe. I hope you believe the same thing. I believe so far it has been clearly evident that these teachings do not match the biblical gospel and I'll just tell you that. That's what I believe. I believe it is clearly evident as we look at them that these teachings do not reflect the heart of the Savior of that gospel, Jesus. I don't think they reflect his heart. And I believe we can see these teachings are dangerous to those that would, for the glory of Christ, attempt to hold up the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think the day that we're living in, the day before Jesus is to surely come. I think these are dangerous truths for those that are assembled in the church tasked with the job of holding up the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think they are dangerous. Well, the question is tonight, well, what about this last one? This last part of the, across the one P, perseverance of the saints. What about this last one? Is it, will it be the same as the other ones or will it be something we can agree on? Will it be something we can accept, something we can even promote? I hear people say all the time, I'm a one-point Calvinist. Now I hear some say I'm a three-pointer or a four-point, but I also hear some say I'm a one-point Calvinist referring to this point. They reject all the other points, but they say, you know what, I can agree on this point. Now stay with me. As we have seen, peace by piece, again and again. Now, we've been just looking at this a few short times, but we have been seeing a piece by piece, time after time, that faulty premises over here have faulty implications over there. And that's what we're seeing. Now, I think that's true in all of the the aspects of life, but a, a faulty premise over here has a result, bears fruit, And there are faulty implications over there. A mistruth, a misunderstanding of the truth over here, however well-meaning it may be, causes some major problems over here. I believe that's what we're seeing. I think that's what we're seeing as we look through these pieces of tulip. Now, stay with me tonight. Tonight, I'm going to do something. I'm gonna show you why No part of tulip is good news. And you say, well, hold on a minute. I don't know about this last one. Maybe I can agree on that. Listen, I'm going to show you tonight why no part of tulip is good news. I'm going to show you why all of the five parts should be rejected. Here's what I think. A tulip by any other name still smells like a tulip. I think I stole that from a rose or some other somebody else said that. But I'll just tell you, a tulip by any other name still smells like a tulip. And we're going to see tonight, any piece of these five should be rejected. All right, let's move tonight. Here we go. The P in tulip. It is perseverance of the saints. That is it, perseverance of the saints. Of the saints. Now listen, this is a, a a phrase that they came up with to describe their belief set. They want folks to know what it is they believe. They want folks to know these are the things we hold as true. And so we didn't come up with this. Those adhering to these beliefs came up with tulips. So these are their words. Perseverance of the saints. Now here we go. Perseverance of the saints, it is The Calvinistic take on or the Calvinistic address on the truth of eternal security. Again, eternal security is the Baptist idea. You may have heard it called once saved, always saved. Maybe you've heard that. Folks will say, well, they're one of those once saved, always saved folks. That is a Baptist distinctive. Well, this is their take on that. This is their perspective on that. Let me tell you what it is. Their idea follows this. Those that God chooses, unconditional election, those that God chooses, he dies for. He makes atonement for, limited atonement. Those that he chooses, not anybody else, he makes atonement for. Those that he dies for, he makes new in an act of irresistible grace. We saw that this morning. Making them new, enabling them to believe. And once they believe, they are saved in their belief. And thus, because they are chosen, because they are atoned for, because they are made new, because they are caused to believe, because in their belief they are saved, it follows they cannot and will not Be unsaved again. That's what this means to them, perseverance of the saints. Because the person was chosen, because Christ atoned for them, because they have been given an act of grace that caused them to believe, because they believe, because they are saved, they will never be lost again. And so as you see tonight, all of their beliefs, did you notice all of their beliefs are listed in that? All of their beliefs are laced together. All of their beliefs are tied together. From the very first start, total depravity, total inability. One thing leads to the next thing. One thing stacks on the next things, and it leads us to this one, perseverance of the saints. Listen, it all ties together. It's all the same. Be clear tonight. Now, this I'm saying a lot of things that are not going to be popular, but let be very clear tonight. If you are one point a tulip, you are all points a tulip. And that's the matter of fact. If you're one point, you are all points a tulip. Now, let's look at this. At first glance, it seems to echo. Now, this is what we keep finding. At first glance, it seems to echo what we believe and what we know to be biblically true. And that is once a person is saved, they in the grace of God and they in the power of God remained saved. Now I want to say that very clearly. I want you to hear that. I want you to be certain of that. That is the biblical truth. Once a person is saved by the grace of God and the power of God They remain saved. That is correct. That is biblically true. That is what we believe. However, stay with me. There is a vast difference in what they are saying. They are calling this belief, again, this is how they address it, eternal security. They are calling this belief perseverance of the saints. That's their word, perseverance of the saints. However, a best title, the best title, and what the Bible teaches, and what we hold to as Baptists, is perseverance of the believer. Now listen, there's a difference there, perseverance of the saints, perseverance of The believer. Now it sounds very similar. You may say, well, well, what's the difference in that? It sounds very similar. It is, it is not. Watch this. We hold security is in belief. That's what we believe. That's what we hold. Security is in belief. The Baptist faith and message, it is a statement of Baptist beliefs. Here's what it says. They have a couple of guys, they sit together, they spend a couple of years, and they say, these are the things that we affirm as Baptists. These are the things that we we adhere to, that we we come and say we agree on as Baptists. Here's what the Baptist faith, the message says. All true believers endure to the end. That's what it says. All true believers endure. Endure to the end. Now, what that means is the key is belief. We believe the basis of salvation is belief. That's what we hold, the the, the basis of salvation, how we're saved, it is belief. That was the the morning message today. And so the basis for enduring, for staying saved, listen, it is also belief. We are saved by belief. And when we're saved in belief, God in his power, God in his grace keeps us saved. It wasn't because we did any works that he saved us. It is by faith in the finished work of Jesus. We don't have to do anything to get saved. It is in belief. We don't have to do anything to stay saved. It is still in belief. Well, here's what they do they go quiet on that distinction. They actually change that distinction. Instead of saying perseverance of the believer, they say perseverance of the saints. Listen to this, follow with me. Their hope is not in belief. Their hope is in appearing as a saint. You see, there's a difference in that. How do you know you're elect? How would you know? How do you know that God chose you? The Bible, they say, teaches us that God chose people before the foundation of the world, not based on anything that they had ever done before they were even born. God chose them. How do you know you're elect? How do you know that you're chosen? It's because you continue to show that you're regenerate. That's what they believe. You look like a saint. You act like a saint. It's talking about a member of a church. You persevere as a saint. And when we see you, it looks like you're regenerate and you've shown that you're made new. And so your hope is in appearing as a saint and being regenerate. Get this. Their focus from their wording, perseverance of the saints, not perseverance of the believer, Their focus from their wording then shows up in their practice. It is a focus on actions appearing as a saint, and it is no longer a focus on belief. Listen, the gospel is on belief. It is in believing that we're saved. Well, with the changing of this wording, they've changed the focus, and the focus is no longer on belief. It's no longer on faith. The focus is on appearing As a saint. All right, listen to this. And so they end up with a works-based security. These are heavy things. They end up with a works-based security. How do you know if you're saved? How can you be confident if you're saved? How can you have any joy in your salvation? It shows up. That's what they teach. It is evident. Wow, you must be regenerate. That's how we know. It is a works-based security. Well, how can I ever know? How can I ever have peace? I don't know. Listen, they say, well, it's in your works. It's in what you show. It's in persevering as a saint. Here's the problem. Stay with me. A works-based security will dangerously push back into a works-based salvation. We see it all the time. If you have to do something to stay safe, it must be because you had to do something to get saved. And a works-based security will dangerously push back and become a works-based salvation. How do we know if we're saved? It's in belief. It's settled in belief. How do they know if they're saved? It's shown in there, the fact they're regenerate. It's confirmed in the fact that they're new and it shows up. They have to live proving that God made them new. Now I'm afraid some of this, you hear that and say, well, you're just crazy. <laughs> or you've gone overboard, you've gone crazy, you've gone overboard. That's not really what they think. And I imagine there's probably some listening to this tonight, and they're saying, that's not really what we think. I think that's what a lot of them will say. That's not really what we think. Well, let's just go to this guy. We've been picking on him the whole time, John Piper. Most influential one of them for 20 years. He's a big dog of all of them. He says this. Listen to these words. It's true that Paul believed in eternal security of the elect, those whom God justified, he glorified. But the only people who are eternally secure are those who make their calling. Listen, that person has to do it. Those who make their calling and election sure by fighting the good fire of faith and laying hold of eternal life. Here's what the guy is saying, eternal security shows up in works. If you want to have confidence in your salvation, you have to have works. Every point that we're looking at, and I didn't know this was going to happen, but it's happened. Every point that we're looking at has the implications. And I hear that and say, well, I see how they get that. I don't agree with it, but but maybe, I don't know. But then it shows up somewhere else, and it shows up somewhere else. We keep saying it, a foundation problem shows up somewhere else. Every point has implications. So let's see some of the implications of the perseverance of the saints. Well, is this a minor thing? Does it matter? Can we agree on it? It's close to what we think. Well, let's see some of the implications. Let me just tell you this. There are many implications, many more than we're going to talk about. Let me just tell you about a couple of them. First thing is this. If you believe in the perseverance of the saints, it does not remove doubt. It causes it. Do you know God wants you to be secure in your salvation? Do you know he wants you to be settled in it? Do you know you can only go to work for him if you're sure of that and it's settled and you got that taken care of? That's how you become concerned about other folks. But if you believe in the perseverance of the saints, it does not remove the doubt. That's what God would do. It actually causes doubt. In salvation settled by faith, here's what we do. We get off the treadmill of works. You know, we we grow up and we think, I gotta do good things, I gotta do good things. There's a bunch of denominations, they say you gotta do good things. And you're on this treadmill and you say, if I can change this in my life and I can change this in my relationships and I can change this in my thoughts, God might want me and I might be saved. Listen, when we're saved by faith, not by works, we get off of that treadmill. Guess what they do? They get on it. God chose me, regenerated me, gave me the bill to have faith. Now I'm saved. Now I got to show everybody that I'm regenerate. They get back on the treadmill of works. The question is this, what about when you fail as a believer? See, there's a lot of folks doing don't want to act like you fail as a believer. And I'm talking about mess it up big. What about, what about when you mess it up big as a believer? What about when you rack in sin as a believer? Must not be regenerate. Must be counterfeit. Must not have really been faith. So instead of confidence, And joy and peace that's robbed away from them. Let me tell you what that is. That's Satan's plan. Do you know that? He wants your joy. He wants your peace. He wants your confidence in your salvation. You know what? If he can get you to go around and say, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if God would elect me if he could. I don't feel like it some days. I sure have made a mess of things. Satan wants to rob you of that. I want you to notice this. <laughs> start to notice this. Here's what I've noticed. Calvinists are terrified of false conversions. And I don't know why that is. I've thought about several reasons. I could probably tell you a couple of them. But if, if you start to notice, they are terrified of false conversions. And they start to have these ideas, and it starts back with Charles Spurgeon, what if somebody's faking it? And what if they've come in here in our high and holy church? And what if they've decided they've learned how to fake it and they can act like a believer? And what if it's not real? What if it's not real? And what if they act like they have faith, but they're not regenerate? They're not made new and we can't, we, we can't see that clearly enough. What if, what if it's a false conversion? And so here's what happens. They got to assemble a bunch of elders and they got to watch you. And we're watching you and we're watching to see that you're regenerate. And we got to have an interview with you to see that you're regenerate. And anymore, it's becoming too. And becoming three interviews. I've had two interviews to see if I'm regenerate. I passed those somehow. I don't know, they don't think you can lie in those, but evidently you can't. And so I'm in my third interview. And you got to write out the reasons that you're regenerate. And you got to give it to the elder board. Let me tell you how I got saved. And let me tell you my understanding of certain verses. And let me write that out for you. And then the baptism, watch the baptisms of these folks, starts to become less like a celebration. And more like an interrogation. And they'll leave some 12-year-old kid in there. Did you do this? Did you do that? Did you do that? Let me tell you something. By the time we get here, if I don't know those answers, it's too late anyway. Starts to even put doubt in the process. First thing it does. Doesn't remove Doubt. It causes it. What if I'm not really saved? You know, that's a tough question. Let me tell you a mean question. What if you're not really saved? What a crazy thing to start making folks wonder if other folks are saved. It doesn't remove doubt. It causes it. That's the first implication. The second implication is this. If you believe in perseverance of the saints, we saw this this morning, we're going to keep seeing it. We see it all the way through their system. It removes, listen, the centrality of faith. Did you notice that this morning? God gives you some act of grace making you new, new that in your newness, you'll decide you want Jesus. And if He gives that to you, you will believe. It actually jumps over faith. That's no definition of faith that I know. Well, guess what happens here? It's the same thing. It removes the centrality of faith. The focus is not on faith. The focus becomes on regeneration. God God makes me new. That's how I'm saved. My hope is now in having an evidence that everybody can see. And the focus leaves faith and, and goes to regeneration. Friends, be very sure again. And I want to say this loudly. In the finished work of Christ, in the grace, total grace of God, in the power of God, we are saved by faith. That's not in conflict with each other. That's not an issue. If you have faith, it doesn't steal God's glory. If you have faith, it doesn't somehow steal the fact that he is sovereign and rules. Listen, in the finished work of Christ, he has paid for all sin. In the grace of God, and the grace of God alone, in the power of God, we are saved by faith. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen. So the centerpiece, the central focus is to believe. It's faith. Perseverance of the saints removes the centrality of faith. I'm going to give you a third one. Perseverance of the saints, in practice, now, how despicable is this? It takes the focus away from Jesus. And you can say what you want, but that's practically... Actually, what happens? They come along and say, well, it's all of man, monergism. It's all, it's, all of, it's all of God. It's all of God, monergism. And yet when we watch what happens here, it's all about the person. It's all about the person that now is filled with doubt. It's about the person that has to look at themselves Am I saved? Am I not? Have I messed it up? Am I elect? It's a person that that has to put their eyes back on themselves. It's a person that now has to perform. Am I regenerate? Do I believe I'm regenerate? Do they believe I'm regenerate? And the eyes go back to yourself. That's not the gospel. Hear me, the focus of the gospel is Jesus. Jesus. The call of the gospel, yes, it's believe, but the focus of the gospel is Jesus. And we are saved by the promise of Jesus. We are saved by the work of Jesus. We are saved in the power of Jesus. And so our eternal confidence in eternal security, listen to me, it's in Jesus. It's in Jesus I hear all of this, and it's everywhere. I hear all of this. Are you saved? Are they saved? Are you regenerate? Are they regenerate? And you start to think about your life. You start to think about the the seasons of your life. Am I saved? Was I saved then? Am I saved now? And I, I start to hear that, and I see that welling up, and I see it welling up in churches. And I want to scream out, John Piper, don't put that on me. John Piper, don't put that on us. That's what Satan does. That's what Satan does, the accuser of the brethren. I want to tell you this, our hope is in Jesus. Therefore, our focus is on Jesus. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness our system doesn't put our eyes on us the biblical gospel puts our eyes on Jesus watch this tonight confidence in belief is now you can have confidence in your belief right now confidence in perseverance guess what that's got to be later we can't even measure that right now Confidence in belief is a confidence you can hold. Confidence in belief is a confidence that's held. Confidence, however, in perseverance, it's a confidence that's hoped for. Oh, I hope this. Confidence in belief, listen, just like the gospel, it is done. It is finished. Confidence in perseverance, it's never enough. Till you get to heaven, you'll never know. Listen, we have confidence in belief in the finished work of Jesus. It is settled in him. I'll tell you, I think I'm getting bolder in it, but I'll just tell you, clearly this is a false teaching. Clearly this is not what the Bible teaches And clearly this is not what God intends. He doesn't want us to have doubt. He doesn't want us to put our eyes back on ourselves. He says we can know. That's his grace and kindness to us. He says it's settled, not up in the air, it's settled in belief. Yet most Calvinists, let me tell you this, they tie all of these, but even this last step to all of Calvinism. And I'll just tell you what's happened. And I I wonder, they've taken over absolutely everywhere. This thought has. When I I went to seminary, they said 7% of Southern Baptists were Calvinists. They said about 70% of the preachers in seminary were. Well, at about 10 years, guess what? Those 70% got a church now. And now they say almost 80% of Southern Baptists are Calvinists. Holding this belief set. Another church and another church. Well, let me tell you what's happened here. What's happened is we've sat around saying, well, it's close enough. Perseverance of the saints, perseverance of the believers, close enough. It's fine. And here's what they're saying. They're saying this is the gospel. This is the gospel. Those folks haven't studied enough. Those folks don't know enough. This is the gospel. That's what they're teaching. Erwin Lutzer, Moody Bible Church, Dallas Theological Seminary. He says this, one of their big preachers. Whether or not you believe in eternal security depends on where you stand on free will. Here's what he's saying. You can only find confidence in Calvinism. That's what he's saying. Tom Askall. he was almost a couple months ago elected president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He was narrowly defeated. He leads a group that unapologetically calls for a Calvinistic takeover of the Southern Baptist Convention. They've pretty much done it. I don't know what the the deal is. Here's what this guy says, Tom Askall, a Baptist preacher. He says this. If the nature of fallen's man, fallen man's will is such that he has the power of contrary choice either to trust Christ or to reject Christ, how and why is that power lost once such a man becomes a Christian? Now here's what he's saying. If you can choose to receive Christ, if faith is of yourself, if you can choose to reject Christ, then how could you not later choose to reject and leave Christ? And so here's what the guy is saying. There's only confidence. You can only have it settled. You're only going to find joy and peace in the system of Calvinism. That's what he says. Those guys don't know me. So what is the truth? Those are the implications. So what is the truth? Let me just tell you, it gets easier. The truth is plain. The truth will stand. The truth is sure. The truth is knowable. God wants us to have the truth. Here's the truth. You want to know what the truth is? Here it is. If you want to be saved, believe. (laughs) That's too simple, isn't it? If you want to be saved, listen to me. If you are tired of sin and guilt and shame, if you're tired of walking and stumbling, perishing in your sin, if you want to be saved, believe. Let me tell you what the good news is. God's made a way for you. God has made a way for you. If you want to be saved tonight and you're in this room, if you want to be saved tonight and you're in some other place, listen to me. Here it is. Believe. By believing, you're saved. That's what the Bible says. By believing, you're forgiven of your sin. That's what the Bible says. By believing, you're given the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. By believing, guess what the Bible says? It says you have eternal life. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says in believing you've passed from death unto life. The Bible says when you believe you are made new. Here's what the Bible says in Christ. The Bible says when you believe hearing the gospel believing the gospel Ephesians 1.13 you are filled and sealed with the Holy Spirit of Christ of God. If you want to be saved Jesus made a way. Believe, believe. Let's go further. If you want to know if you're saved, if you want to know if you're saved and that that doubt comes nagging back, that's what Satan wants to happen. If sin has become a struggle again for you and you think, oh, I don't know, I don't know. If you want to know if you're saved, John 3.18 says, he who believes in him, Jesus, is not judged. That's what the Bible says. John 3.36 says, he who believes in the Son, Jesus, has eternal life. That's what the Bible says. John 3, 16 says, and whoever believes in him, Jesus, shall not perish but have eternal life. It is a settled fact in Jesus. That's what the Bible says. Friends, we're saved in the promise of Jesus. We're saved in the finished work of Jesus. We are saved in the power of Jesus. And so you want to know where we get our eternal security? It is in Jesus Believe. Believe. This morning, in our time of invitation, I like to say that for folks that don't have those anymore. This morning in our time of invitation, Hallie came down with her dad. They'd been to see me. They stopped in after a church service about two weeks ago. She came in my office and she said she knew Jesus. She knew who Jesus was. She knew that Jesus died for sin, for her sin. I said, do you know what sin is? She said, yeah. She told me what it was. She said last year in an event, I think a camp uh, out of her church, the influence of her her church, she put her faith in Jesus. And she said she trusted Jesus. She was saved. And she said she wanted to be baptized. Now, here was the little girl's dilemma. She said, I want to be baptized in my old church. My friends are in my old church. I know the old church. The, the preacher, probably a lot better looking in the old church. They'd moved and they got new jobs and things have moved along and here they are and she'd never, never been baptized. This morning she came down. Right here I got kneeled down and she said, I believe in Jesus. I know who Jesus is. I believe he died for my sin. I believe he lives again. And I want to show it in baptism. I want to be baptized. We talked for just a second. I prayed with her. Let me tell you something tonight. I don't want false conversions. (laughs) I don't know who would. I don't want people to think they're saved when they're not. But listen to me. Do you know I can't find anywhere in my job in the Bible that it's my position to decide I I can't find that in the Bible. And I'll just tell you this, number one, her dad said she'd made a decision. And I want to tell you, that's how it ought to be. The family ought to be the ones that testify. The family ought to be the one that leads her to Christ. And if the dad comes and says she's put her faith in Christ, you know, I'm going to go with the dad. But I'm going to tell you, it's not my job to decide. And I'll just tell you something else that's a fact. If they're not saved, I've had folks say, well, there's a lot of folks got baptized here, and I don't know where they're at now, or I see them doing different things now. Listen to me. If they got baptized here and they're not saved, they're just as as lost as when they came here. Do you know that? And I want to tell you, it's not my job to decide. But I want to tell you what my job is, and I want to tell you what your job is. Our job, listen to me, church, it is to preach Jesus It is to teach Jesus and it is to foster faith in that little girl and it's to build onto her faith and it's to encourage her faith and yes, it is to guard her faith. That's why we have these sermons. It is to strengthen her faith and it is to pray for her walk. It's to celebrate her faith because my Bible says "And he who believes in the son has eternal life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. During Father we come and I praise you tonight. I'm thankful I'm saved of no work that I've ever could muster up. But in the power and the grace of God and the work of Jesus and that it's applied to me, received by me in faith. No word, but in simple faith. And Lord, I, I pray rejoicing that I'm kept saved, not by getting on a treadmill, not by running faster, not by memorizing half the Bible, but I'm saved by the same gracious, powerful Savior received in faith. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I, I pray that I would live in a way that would point to you. And I pray that I would live in a way that shows who you are. But I'm thankful, Lord, I'm saved and I'm kept saved in the faith, the truth of the gospel of our Savior, Jesus. I praise you for that. Lord, I pray as we learn, as we grow, that we're being shaped. I pray, Lord, for people, churches, groups that have had this teaching infiltrate. It's taken their eyes off of Jesus, taking their eyes off the mission. Of the church. I pray, Lord, that the truth would stand. The truth would be received. The truth would be attractive. The truth would make a difference. Lord, we're not mad at them. Lord, for all of us, let us stand and walk under the truth. Lord, I pray if there's somebody that doesn't know you in the hearing of this message tonight, here in this room, somewhere else, I pray that this very night, Lord, that they would turn to you. In faith and be saved. Lord, I pray any hindrance to that would be removed. And I pray every piece of this, all of this, would bring glory to you. We tell you we love you, Lord. We praise you and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna end with a time of invitation tonight, but it's gonna be pretty simple tonight. We're gonna end with a time to respond to the truth of God's word. And Here's how it's gonna go tonight. If you're here tonight, you're listening some other way tonight. but you're hearing what I've said tonight and you're hearing what I'm saying right now and you want to be saved tonight, then here's your response tonight, right where you're at. You say this, Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I believe. You want to be forgiven of your sin? You want to be restored, made right with the Holy God? If you want to be saved tonight, you say, I believe. If you're here tonight and you're in this room, you're in some other place, and you've got doubt, you say, oh, I don't know how I got in this spot. I don't know how things have turned out this way. I don't don't know where I stand. And the old accuser of the brethren Satan has crept in and you're sitting there and you, you have doubt tonight. Here's my call to you tonight in this invitation. You say this, Jesus, I believe. Don't need a dissertation Jesus, I believe. And if you're here tonight and you've trusted Jesus and you're thankful for a hope secure in the finished work of a risen Savior received by faith and if you're here tonight and you want to worship Him, I'm going to encourage you to say the exact same thing tonight. Here's what you do tonight. You say with me. Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I believe, settled, finished. If you're here tonight and you've made that decision, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. You come make it public. We'll celebrate it in baptism. Not part of your salvation, in celebration of it. If you're here and you've turned over a new corner and you say, Lord, I want to get on my knees and humiliate this altar. Doubts gone, doubts removed, standing in confidence. Confidence. Maybe you want to come pray at an altar. Maybe you need to show it through baptism. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You come at this time as well. This is our time to glory in what Christ has done. We're going to stand and sing. If you've made a decision, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here.